Hi, this is Erica Bogan. Thank you for listening to the I Am Spartan podcast with Scott Knowles. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? I got a super cool interview here today. I got DJ Fox. He is the winner of 2022 World's Toughest Mudder. And, you know, he's he wasn't born and bred runner. You know, he kind of picked up running a little later in life, you know, and built this huge, you know, aerobic engine, you know, went and got 105 miles last year at world's toughest mutter and trained all of 2022 to be the champion this year at it and i really got a lot out of this interview and i think you will too also if you didn't listen to the other interview that i put out this week with rachel waters you need to check that out too she's doing her what i call a turkey trot from hell this weekend it's a hundred mile endurance event that she's doing with 500 plus obstacles and it's a fundraiser she's doing to raise money for the Lionheart's fitness facility and it's a really great fund and you need to go and check it out this weekend there's a Facebook group where you can see how she's doing throughout the the day the night the weekend and make sure you go and donate because it's a really great cause for what they're doing for the kids over there Um, but anyway here's the interview with DJ Fox DJ Fox, what is going on today, brother? Not much, man. I am relaxing, still in full recovery mode over here. So. Yeah. Jen. So I saw in your Instagram story, it looked like you went somewhere today, like a spa or a chiropractic place or something. What was that about? Oh, um, yeah. So I went to a body worker. Um, so I got some trigger point therapy done. It's called Durango Movement. Yeah. Um, right here in Durango, Colorado. His name is Alex Denner. The dude is the best. He's like he's our witch doctor out here at the house, and he ha- uh, heals all that all that ails us when, when things go <laughs> when things go sideways. So you, yeah. you say trigger point. So so like what is that like? That's, so that's not like chiropractic work. What is it? Just they just work pressure points or something like that? Yeah, like deep tissue massage, sports sports massage. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. But yeah, then he looks for like the the like real main source of it within muscle bellies and things like that. Right. You know, they'll spend a significant amount of time working on the specific trigger points within the muscles to hopefully create releases in that part of the body. And then anywhere else that that might also be binding up. Okay, cool. So I saw in the results that your, your first name is David. Uh, what does the J stand for? Joseph. So it's just, just your initials. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was just curious. That was my own curiosity. I don't know if everybody knew that or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when I signed up last year uh, for WTM as David Fox, and it was funny because um, I kind of did the same thing last year where I like slowly eked my way up the leaderboards um, and ended up falling to third at the end of the day. And everybody, all my friends, were, like call me DJ, 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 right? So everyone's like, who the hell is David? Where is this David person out here? <laughs> right. So that's what he is. I went with DJ this time around. Like, we're friends now, so we, we can get a little bit more informal. And so, you know, and I listened to your interview on Obstacle Running Adventures, and you said that you were located in New York, and now have you have you permanently moved to uh, Anthony's Ultra House, is what he calls it out there? Oh, yeah. I was in New York 
Uh, my whole life, I came to visit the Ultra House last November before World's Toughest. Absolutely loved it. Anthony gave me the opportunity. Um, you know, said, hey, man, if you want to do this thing seriously, I got the spot for you and, and we'll make it work. So, um, I, yeah, I bailed on everything, man. I, I quit my job in the gym. Um, yeah, left my, my family and packed up my whole life in the car and, and took this thing full time. Awesome. Which was what I, yeah, I moved here at the end of March of this year. So is, is, are you just full-time athlete right now or are you still working out there? Full-time athlete. Um, and I do online coaching as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. But besides that, that's it. Those are the two things. That's all I'm putting my, my energy towards just really embracing the, the role over here. Right. And keep my head in the game, no matter what I'm doing. Okay. So like, what is your what was your background in, in running, you know? How did that all start? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, um, I don't really have much of a background in running. Um, I did do two years of track and field in high school. Um, I think it was like freshman and junior year. But I ran 100-meter dash, right. and it was real slow hundreds. It was like 12, 13 seconds, and then I did high jump as well. Um, and then at the end, like it was like the very last – uh, two weeks of track and they're like hey somebody bailed on the 400 can you know, who wants to run the four and i'm like whatever i'll just do it um and i ended up running sub 60 barely like 58 or 59 seconds but i'm like okay i'm a little bit better at that that was fun um and then i got to run the 800 and i totally crashed and burned and did it in like two minutes and 40 seconds uh-huh. and got to slightly redeem myself the next time around and was able to do it 220 but that's the extent of um like my running as you know, growing up. Um, besides that, I got into just like hiking the mountains in the Adirondacks mm-hmm. in the year 2016 or they have the summer of 2017. And I just went out and hammered a bunch of high peaks, did like 33 in one summer. Um, so I was like getting into the outdoors and moving quite a bit, but then I ended up, uh, I got sick and I ended up in the hospital with diverticulitis and a stomach abscess that was the size of both of my fists put together um, in between two layers of my large intestine. And that put me on my ass. Um, I was in the hospital for yeah, eight days, no food, no water. I came out um, significantly thinner than I was because I went in um, and I had just been weightlifting for a very long time up until this point. So I went in a big dude, like just over 200 pounds, came out of the hospital, like, you know, close to like 180 or so. Um, and then just kind of got back into weightlifting again and hiking some more. And then I started to get, uh, reoccurring attacks of the diverticulitis, which ended up putting me in the hospital, like almost every two weeks for a few months to the point where I was like, yeah, they're like, um, you can keep doing this and you can just live your life on antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Um, or we can try and remove it. You know, we'll have surgery, we'll, we'll pull out the bit that's bad, and hopefully hopefully that sorts you out. So I elected for surgery in, actually that might have been 2017, mm-hmm. um, February 5th of 2017, um, yeah, where I had that, that bit removed, and then that's when I started running, right? Um, I, I don't know, just like bedridden for a few weeks and, mm-hmm. you know, went from not being able to walk around to crawling around, to walking up and down the stairs, to I walked a mile, ran a mile, ran two miles, ran three miles, day after day after day, right? And kind of been snowballing ever since. So my running 
career, I guess, stems back until then. So it's almost it's almost the whole five years old now. So you just you know had this procedure done and just all of a sudden had the urge to run, huh? Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny how things work like that. And like part of it was I was so big and strong, and I think at this point, like after the surgery, I was like 150 pounds coming from about 200. Damn. And I just loved weightlifting and powerlifting, and my powerlifting numbers were decent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I could pull, I could pull 500 on, on the deadlift. My bench wasn't anything spectacular. It's like 255, maybe 260. Um, and then I could squat just over four. Um, and I couldn't do all that shit again. Right. And that took, it took a long time to build. And I'm like, damn, I spent like almost a decade putting weight on and getting strong. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, my body immediately went and lost 50 to 60 pounds as soon as I wasn't doing it anymore. Do I really want to like go and try to build that back up again or, do I want to totally take a left hand turn here and pivot and let's try something else? And then I just, as soon as I started it, I loved it. That makes Absolutely sense. addicted. Yeah. Do you ever have any more flare ups now that you had the surgery done? I have had none. I'm knocking on wood as we speak. Zero. I've been fine. Well, that's great. Yeah. You know, it yeah. took and it works. So, okay. Yeah. So you started running and what made you decide that? you were going to do world's toughest mutter did have you had done any other ocrs previous to that or it was just something you know that just come up yeah so um i for whatever reason i've always gravitated gravitated towards the long events um as i knew it would take me a long time to get there i hadn't actually done any right but right. that's where my eyeballs always were i'm like i want to do this one day not world's toughest in particular but i'm looking at like you know 50, 100 mile, 200 mile trail races and things like that as I'm starting to run. Um, and I ran my first obstacle course race with Spartan in 2018. I went to, um, dang, it was some military race. I can't think of it now, but it was in New York. Um, and I did a sprint and I just had a lot of fun. Um, and then I did a few more in 2019. I I learned about the trifecta, right? Right. I was like, okay, cool. I got to do a sprint. I got to do a super, got to do a beast, got to do an ultra. So that right. was the aim for 2019, um, and I ended up doing like Creek Peak Sprint. I did the Palmerton Super. That's I did the New one. Jersey Beast, and then I did the Killington Ultra at the end oh, of the year. Oh, when did you do Killington Ultra? 2019. Ooh, that was a good year. That was when it was cold and rainy all year. It was, dude, hell yeah. And then <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed that, and I did that, and it was like, dude, grueling, absolutely grueling, right? I'm like going by people on this hill uh, Ugh. And I got my purple jersey on. They're like, dang, you, you signed up for this twice? Like, he doesn't look like he's having a good time. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it, like, that was my first opportunity to, like, I guess see if I enjoyed it, right? And I did, and it was like, it took me 11 hours, uh, first ultra out there, and I picked probably one of the, the biggest and baddest ones Spartan has to offer at that point. Um, yeah, and decided I was, I'm like, I'm in on the ultra stuff 100%. That's where the training's going. I'm not real, I'm not real fast in a sense, right? Like 5k times are, are pretty poor. Yeah, me neither. They're getting, <laughs> they're getting better, but, uh, I'm definitely not ever going to be competitive in that realm. Um, yeah, that yeah, year so, at Killington, I think Javier and Chris Mendoza was there that year too, I think. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. I didn't know anybody at that time. I was just right. kind of putting my toes in the water. That was a brutal year. I remember like there's, I got a video and I'm up at the top of the death march and these winds are trying to rip my jacket off me yeah um so that was that and then um and then obviously it was like covid right um so absolutely nothing for two years 
And that was probably like one of the better things that could have happened for like my athletics, at least. Right. Cause I didn't have to worry about, um, racing at all. Right. Like I wanted to be good, but I wasn't competitive at all yet. Um, this just gave me the opportunity to put my head down and work for two years. I'm like, hmm, well, you got two choices. There's no races. You're either going to get discouraged and you're totally going to stop. You're going to bail. You're going to lose fitness. You're going to lose gains. Or this is the opportunity to put your nose to the grindstone and pop out of the shadows whenever this thing is done and, and be ready to race. Right. Um, so that, that was my, after that, so, um, 2020 gone, 2021, 20, basically gone mm-hmm. until world's toughest. Um, so that was my next OCR after that Killington ultra almost two years later. Right. So you didn't do anything to like qualify for like contender status or anything like that before world's toughest motor. You were just like, fuck it. I'm going to sign up and go. Yeah, so I just like put in an application for contender status, which yeah. they accepted. Um, I had, so I, they saw the Killington Ultra. I put that on the resume. Oh, cool. And then in the year leading up to, um, so 2021, I ran the Bob Marshall Trail in the Adirondacks. Right. Um, and I set the FKT on it. And that's a, it's a 50K route with 16 or 17,000 feet of climbing. I'd have to look now. Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I did it. I completed it. Um, <laughs> so I, I brought that time down to 12 hours, 10 minutes, and 30 seconds. Um, I still currently possess the trail, but it would be exciting to see somebody super fit go back on that or actually get on it myself again. I think I could really hammer that and, and, and drop drop some, some minutes, potentially put up to like an hour off of that one now. But yeah, so that was under my belt. Um, and then I had run a 50 mile FKT attempt around Cranberry Lake and I had missed it by, um, about 10, 15 minutes. And Josh Reed currently holds that record. Right. So I just told them all that information. They accepted my contender status. Um, yeah. And it was like, I was running with Josh and Javier in the summer and, you know, Javier was like, I would love to see you compete in something like world's toughest. You know, I think you'd be good at it. And I'm like, man, I've, I've definitely been eyeballing it. I wasn't sure if I was ready for a 24 hour thing up until this point, but um, I was, I was teetering between ultra world champs and world's toughest. And, right. and everybody was like, dude, world's toughest is the, it's the place to be. The obstacles are so much fun. The community is the best. Um, yeah. So you should do that. And I was like, all right, twist my arm. I'm in, you know? <laughs> so you, you went to world's toughest motor 2021, you placed third with 105 miles. What was your training like leading up to it? Um, it was a lot of running. Um, I did, you know, I'm still, I'm like maintaining strength work and doing lots of pull-ups and, and weighted pull-ups and all different varieties there. But the focus was on the running um, because I don't have an extensive background in it yet, right? I knew I needed to, to put on as much volume as possible. It wasn't a whole lot. Um, I had started running. Um, I thought I had a stress fracture in my shin early in the year, but I didn't. I just had a soleus strain that was manifesting as like medial tibial stress syndrome. Yeah. Um, so that put me on the bike for about four weeks in February. And then after that, you know, I'm trying, I tried to put on some better mileage and just wasn't able to, I kept getting like up towards like 30 and then something would pop up. I would just have some sort of little injury that would kick me out for, I would catch it pretty early. Right. But it would be like, yeah we take like four days away from me or something like that. Right. Like nothing massive, but I just couldn't get the volume up. Um, so I didn't even run a 40 mile week up until the end of July of 2021. Right. Um, and then I did that 50 miler in 
at the end of no, it was October 1st of 2021. I did the 50 mile cranberry FKT attempt. And then after that, I, I recovered really well. Um, I ran just two miles the next day and then I was able to jump right back into training and work my way up to about 50 miles a week for, I think it was five or six weeks. So that was massive mileage for me at the time. And then I think I had three or four weeks leading into WTM where I would had just broken 60 with my highest, my peak mileage week at like 68. Um, yeah. And then those last two weeks I was in Durango. So I had one more heavy mileage week out here and then, you know, kind of started to taper off. But that's what the training looked like that year. Okay. So, so you go to world's toughest mudder, you get third, 105 miles. After mm-hmm. that race, did you decide I'm really going to concentrate and go after this hard for 2022. 100%. Yeah, I did that. I was I had really surprised myself. I blew my expectations out of the water for 2021 at World's Toughest. Right. Leading into it, Josh was coaching me and I had looked at him and I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm like really excited to go to WTM and, you know, get some experience and learn a lot and then hopefully I can come back next year and be competitive." And he looked at me like, you know, a little cockeyed and I was like, "Ah, I could see you getting on the podium. Don't be surprised if it happens this year. And I'm like, huh, okay. So I reframed it a little bit. I was like, maybe, maybe this is possible. It's, you know, I'm just going to go out there and do my thing, give, you know, have my best day and things will just land where they do. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And again, the farthest I had ever run up to that point was that 50 mile, uh, FKT attempt. So this, I, I crushed that dude, you know, I, I added 55 miles to my longest run and this included obstacles now. So, yeah, um, I got excited and decided, you know what, I'm moving to Durango. I'm going to do this thing full time. I'm going to 100% commit myself to World's Toughest Mudder 2022. That was it. That was the A race all year. Everything else I did led me led me to to November. So in after you did, you know, World's Toughest Mudder and you moved to Durango, was there something after the race that you realized I need to work on this or, you know, did your training change, uh, going into 2022 or was it just, you wanted to build a more, you know, endurance, uh, running block leading up to it? Yeah. So as I said a little bit previously, I have, a I have a massive strength background. Um, so I'm really able to maintain my strength very well. Um, and then I can, I can bring it back up after like after a maintenance phase once i go back into a build phase with my strength it comes back very Mm -hmm. quickly um so i knew that the most important thing i needed to do was add more volume i needed to run more um you know i needed just like more easy calisthenics and pull-ups like that i needed Mm -hmm. to be serious i needed to to push other things that were taking up my time out of my schedule and i needed to do this thing you know full-time balls to the wall so yeah, I, I need, I knew I was, I was going to have a massive increase in overall workload as long as my body could handle it. Right. So what does like a typical day of training look like at, at the ultra house? Yeah, man, it's easy. It's monk mode out here. It's the same thing every goddamn day. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, wake up at, you know, almost the same time within an hour of the day before, unless something, you know, some outside circumstances has, has I'll push you one way or the other, right? Like a race or um, a potentially long night. It's going to put you in, in bed for a little bit longer, right? But get up about the same time. 
immediate cold exposure. So all spring, summer, and fall, that meant we walked out to the creek behind the house and we would cold plunge. And the water was about 40 degrees all year. Wow. So I would go and I would sit in that thing um, for you know a minimum of three minutes and up to five minutes at a time. I would then come back in the side and do a little bit of mobility work um, or just stand in the sun outside, do a little bit of mobility work, maybe throw a medicine ball around with somebody who was standing there. Then come inside, hop in the sauna, 30 to 50 minute session in the sauna. Um, then you get out and you go for run number one, you know, whatever that looks like, depending on, on the training at the, at the time, right? Uh, then you come back, you eat food, you know, <laughs> just refuel. Uh, mm -hmm. If you can score it, you take a nap. Um, if not, you kind of do your own craft, whatever that is, right? But it, it's time to relax and recovery because most of the time there's two a days, whether that means a run and a lift or two runs and a lift, right? So then after you refuel, relax, um, go out for run number two, come back in, eat dinner, go to sleep, repeat. So what is your mileage looking like nowadays on these weeks that you're training? Yeah, so <laughs> this week, a big old zero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you yeah, there. Yeah, leading into into world's toughest. I guess we can we can uh, dial it back to earlier in the year, right? So I got to Durango um, at the end of March, and I put in like two fifty mile weeks, and then I immediately was able to jump into seventy mile weeks. Um, and I think I strung eight in a row, and then had a race, right? So I went through a block. So um, and then the next block, you know, mostly seventy mile weeks, and with an uptick to eighty at the end. Um, and one, you know, another down week to race or something, jump into another eight week block. And this one, I put 200 mile weeks in the middle of just mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, I was handling the seventies really, really well. So I was able to stick two hundreds in and then bring that back down and get ready for another race. And then leading into WTM, um, I started this training block off with a 70 mile week. Mm -hmm. I then ran four hundreds back to back to back to back. <laughs> Wow. Um, and then, uh, a 70 and then a taper. So mileage was massive this year compared to last year, which Sounds is really like exciting and really encouraging that my body handled it and tolerated it all. So on these run workouts that y'all do, do, do y'all do them like together or is everybody on their different prescription or for whatever workout they got to do? Yeah, quite often, um, runs are done together, especially like long, slow, easy runs or short easy runs right like we do a ton of 10 minute pace around here right um and then we'll a lot of the time we'll have a workout wednesday and if it resonates with all of us um we'll we'll run some fast miles together um but besides that like if you're being specific for an event um you know you can get your quality work on your own um yeah a lot of the times we, we probably run together 70 to 80 percent of the time out here as a team right which is awesome it keeps everybody keeps everybody going so do y'all do a lot of like, you know, how many quality workouts are y'all getting in a week or is it mostly just a lot of like zone two stuff, you know, just to build it, your endurance base up? Yeah. It, the, the vast majority of it is for me, zone one and zone two, um, more zone two than anything. And then I'll normally have a workout every Wednesday and quite often I will add intensity to a Saturday long run. Right. Hmm. And so, um, Pretty often it's twice a week. Sometimes it's once a week. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure things will, I'm, I'm starting to think about training for this upcoming year and where I can add a little bit of volume and where I can start to add intensity. But 
Yeah. Um, you know, the, the most it'll ever be is three times a week. And often if it is three times a week, it's two quality workouts on a single day. So do y'all take days off or is it just, or maybe just an easy day? Yeah, I mean, you, you evaluate it, evaluate it in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I can run a couple miles, I'm going to go out and run a couple miles, and we'll call it an easy day rather than a day off. Um, but I've I had some good strings this year of you know eight to ten weeks without a single day off of running. Wow. You know, maybe I ran two or three miles on one of those days, but then I just listen to my body, and when some when it's starting to talk to me, you know, I, I'll bail on runs all the time. I will cut stuff short. I will jump out of quality workouts, um, which is probably one of the the best things I was able to to learn and do this year. Um, is not just force myself through anything and any and everything. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'll, I'll bail on workouts if I need to. I'll, you know, we, I was going out for a twelve miler, um, pretty close to the race, and I just had like something was bugging me in my foot. Got a mile out from the house, spun it back around, and 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 got and got back home and took the rest of that day off. Right, but. Yeah, um, I I prefer to do easy recovery work if I can, you know, and and I'm at the point in my training where um, I can run and recover at the same time if the duration is short enough and the intensity is easy enough, right? It's a lot like I'm I'm playing with a lot of different things here, um, but I've gotten really good at listening to my body and what it needs. I believe that's cool. Um, yeah. So I guess you know that helps a lot too, you know, because. You know, when you're doing it full time, you know, like if you're doing that morning run and something flares up, you know, and you say, well, I'm just going to cut this one short. And then later on in the afternoon, you go back out and everything might feel fine, you know. So that's. Yeah, cool exactly. Thing. Right. I have so much more freedom um, to 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 to, to uh, change and adapt to my schedule on the fly. Right on. So yeah. how did you feel when they announced that they were going to move? Uh, world's toughest mutter to Atmore, Alabama. Oh, um, after like at the brunch last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's cool. It'll be warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? I think that's what everybody uh, thought. Yeah, it'll be warm. Um, I don't think it'll be humid too. But whatever, I got <laughs> I got a lifetime of of, uh, of years up in the in the Northeast, so I'm not worried about the humidity. That'll be great. You know, I guess that's where my head went there. Um, <laughs> so when you saw that the weather was going to be shit, what were you, I mean, how did that change like your strategy going into the race? Zero strategy change. No matter what I'm running my race at the end of the day, I just went, okay, the course is now going to dictate everything that happens. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it's going to dictate mileage. It's going to dictate so much. Um, yeah, but I think those scenarios play into my favor. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I just got no, when shit gets hard, man, I got no quitting me. Um, I haven't found it yet. So if it comes down to like who wants to be out here and who doesn't, mm-hmm. um, the odds are in my favor at that point. So when, when the weather is brutal, I don't mind it at all. I know I'm going to stick it out. So I, yeah, I, I, I'm happy with those conditions. They're okay. <laughs> I got a lot of cold exposure training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, a lifetime of winters up in, in New York in the Northeast. I'm ready. Right. Doesn't you, matter. Whatever the day brings, the day brings. I'm coming. Did you like test out your wetsuit gear, you know, prior to the race and everything? I did because I didn't have to use it last year. Right. Um, so that would have been the perfect testing grounds. But so what I did this <laughs> year is I went to the Animus River and I actually I did like a ten minute soak. So I got cold, like 
you know, um, threateningly cold where core temperature dropped quite a bit. And then I tried to put the wetsuit on and see if I could run myself back into warmth, um, which I was able to do just a little bit, but like that told me like, okay, once you're cold, like once you're that cold, you're in deep shit. Um, yeah. you know, even with the wetsuit on, you're going to have a hard time generating enough body heat to heat the water and heat the neoprene. So I know I need to be, I can't, I can't let it get that bad. So that was really good insight into, okay, this is too far. Like, like I can still move and I can still recover, but if I got to go back in the water again, like how long can I do this? Um, am I still, am I still in recovery mode or am I just on borrowed time here? Um, and then I did a couple of runs in it. So I put it on dry and we would run and, and jump into the river. And then, um, we got like one of the coolest obstacle gyms down here, summit fitness. Um, and they had allowed, me and Anthony to use the wetsuits and go jump in the river and run into the gym and set up like an obstacle circuit. So we could feel what it was like having them on while we were doing overhead stuff. So we would go through some monkey bars and crawl under walls and hit a warped wall, right. go run a quarter mile, jump back in the river and repeat. Um, yeah. So Dan let us make a mess of his gym as long as we cleaned <laughs> it up. But <laughs> I got some good reps in there, which was pivotal um, towards the end. It was the most specific training I had all year, right? Like I had done everything else in a vacuum that I needed to do and it was time to put all of the pieces together. So I was able to do obstacle work with the wetsuit on well, wet and cold. It sounds like you were per pretty prepared more than, more than I was for sure. <laughs> I didn't run in my wetsuit to the race. To <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah I was scary stuff. But <laughs> I didn't know. I'm like, I need to know where it rubs and all that, which right. I still, even knowing, um, Dude, I still have Man. like gashes on the back of my legs and stuff because I had a shorty on. Yeah, and just like where the bottom of it was, just digging into where my hamstring tendons were flexing and extending. Oh man, it is brutal. See, Super abrasive. Now I wore a shorty, and I was thinking, well, this will be better because I won't get that rash back behind the knee, you know. And and I I thought that was kind of like a better idea was to use a shorty. And I actually had an older wetsuit that was too tight and I cut it into a shorty and it actually, it was still tight as fuck, but it still worked. And I, I didn't get, you know, I had a, I know I had one friend out there. He ended up cutting his after he put it on because <laughs> it was chafing behind his knees so bad from running. Yeah. But, yep. Um, I think we're better off, right? And we it gives us a little bit more ability when you're in the shorty. Yeah. Um, it's, it's slightly less restrictive. It's, it's way easier to put on, right? It doesn't Absolutely. have any drag until it hits your thighs, so you only have a couple inches to deal with. That's right. Yeah, I, I was really happy with it, um, and it was just warm enough, so that was, that was good. So yeah, what? Yeah, and it just dug in, dug in a little bit. What was, the thick, what was the thickness of yours? Um, it was like... 1.5 in the arms, one in the armpits. Right. I think it might have been five right across the chest. So it, it varied across the suit. It was a swim run. Right. So it kept you so, warm. Yeah. You didn't get cold through the night anytime? Not, not to the point of any concern, right? Like I was cold, right? Every time I got into water and got out of water, the wind would blow and hit you. And, and you got cold, right? But I could warm back up pretty quickly. Yeah, my that... hands got cold. I'm still, I'm still missing some sensation in my pinky fingers here. Oh, shit. And yeah, apparently they say it comes back in three to six months. I'm like, all right, I'll listen to you guys. I didn't get that cold. <laughs> it's getting better. It's like I get a little bit more sensation every morning, and you know, probably not even a whole percentage, but right. I'm like, all right, it's better. Either that, or I'm just getting used to it. I'm forgetting about it. <laughs> Did you do the hot lap the day before the race? 
I didn't. No, I didn't. I went okay. there and I went to listen to the race briefing right. and his description of the obstacles. And I was like, mm, I don't know. It's getting kind of warm out and I'm mm. drove an hour here. I'm just going to go chill. Right. So, you know, it's the day of the race. It's about to start. You know, what, like, what is your pace strategy going into this race? You've done it before and you know what to expect. Was there anything that you were going to do differently at this you know, world's toughest mutter than you did last year as far as pacing went. Yeah. So both this year and last year, we were 100% gauged off of effort. Um, I guess at the start of this one, I knew I put in a lot more running miles. So there was two sides to that. It was like, okay, I can actually kind of run now. So don't run myself into the ground too early. Right. You know, don't do too much damage too early because I can actually move pretty well. But then at the same time, trust the training, you're tapered for this, um, go out there and again, run it off a of feel. But if you look down at your watch and you think you're going a little too fast, don't get too concerned. I'm not like, I'm, I'll be happy banking some miles up front. Um, again, but with like always asking myself, you know, is this sustainable? Is this sustainable? Um, and those first two laps are close to seven minute pace. And like, I don't think that's necessarily sustainable, you know, if I was just doing a 100 mile race, but knowing the fact that the pace slows down a little bit and things get in the way and the running's broken up, um, I was happy with that off the bat. So, um, yeah, pacing strategy, there was no real pacing strategy. It was run it off effort as hard as you think you can maintain for, you know, 24 hours, you know, an hour at a time, a lap at a time. Right. Right. I know your buddy Anthony was out there just kicking ass for the first few laps. Yeah, boy, he's fast. <laughs> Man, I was, and I was t telling him this on the interview, like, me, I, I ran with two of my friends for, like, the first eight, eight, six, six, six laps, and, uh, mm -hmm. like, I don't know why, but we all had to go to the bathroom at the same spot, and it was right there that, I forget what that obstacle was called, that was, like, an all-cargo net rig pretty much oh yeah 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 i forget I what it was called, it was called but either. we would stop and piss there every lap and within like a quarter of a mile anthony would pass us right there every time like every okay. lap and i'm like this dude is running twice as fast as we are man and just didn't look like he was going to slow down it was it was impressive it was a beautiful disaster to watch what he was doing <laughs> for sure dude he's, he's a machine right um i've said it before i'm like if anybody can come over from the pure ultra running side of things and make this work it's anthony i know and i'd listened to his interview where he talked about you know trying to get 125 miles but then he said he wasn't going to use a wetsuit i was like ooh, yeah. that's, that's that's a bold move but when you're seeing him out there and he's just just bombing it man just bombing it it's like you're kind of like it's when you see him pass you're like fuck yeah man go you know so yeah it, for it, sure it, it yeah was, like when it, he was telling us that he's like i'm not gonna use a wetsuit and we're like well we're gonna use wetsuit <laughs> if, if you can show us a better way to do it man by all means please do so we i would love to let him know better for next year <laughs> right yeah did y'all like be like told you so man <laughs> yeah he put it on he knew he found out yeah yeah, he, he got into it. Um, he's, he's like, he's like, I still think there's a better way. So I'm, I'm going to look into it more. Right. He's like, I'm just still not certain the wetsuit's the best option. Right. So yeah. I'll let him do some, some, uh, R and D for us. He, he just, he just did the wrong. He should have went to 2021 worlds, huh? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. The weather, the weather this year, dude, 
It was crazy. Did you run in 2021? I didn't. This was my first World's Toughest Motor this year. Okay. This year, like I, I ran 105 miles both years, right? Right. This year was so much more brutal. The, um, the obstacles I thought were harder. There was a lot more grip intensive stuff. And yeah. then that on top, like the course itself was really runnable. Um, but that, and then put the cold and the, there was more water. And then the little bit of rain we got like this year was brutal. Yeah, man. I was yeah. just so, so happy that most of the course was in the woods. Cause if we'd been hitting that wind, <laughs> All night long, you'd have saw probably twice as many people drop, dude. Easily. Easily. The, the wind is the sword of the cold, man. It will cut deep. Man. Like, they even, like, that last little stretch, you yep. know, running down um, with that big open field. Yep. I remember I was uh, running, like, laps one or two and three with my buddy David, and he's like, oh, this will be nice. You can get out of blockness, and, you know, you got a half a mile to warm up before you get back to the pit. I'm like, right. unless the wind changes, man, this is this intense little wind tunnel right here. Yeah. It was like you yeah. had to use that last half a mile to push the pace so you could generate your body heat to where if you went into the pit for a little bit and stood around, you were going to get cold. So you, it was best to, you know, push the pace right there at the end, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then my pit strategy was, was pretty simple as well. So I, I'm most of them, I was able to keep, keep way down into like the, you know, at first they were like, you know, a minute and 10 seconds, whatever. Right. Um, for quite a few laps and then uh, like my I put a full zip just neoprene just just like um, full zip neoprene top on at one point and mm -hmm. then my windbreaker over that and like to get my gloves off and take the bib off and things like that I think that totaled about four minutes and that thing was awesome I was able to run in that for two extra laps before I had to put the wetsuit on oh, nice. and it was like a $25 purchase on Amazon oh shit that is a good yeah. purchase yeah, yeah it was so good um, and then my wetsuit lap that was like I don't 11 minute pit i think that's not too um, bad it wasn't too bad it was hard to get on i was like you know i needed help i couldn't get my shoes untied um and one of my pit members javier was he untied my shoelace with his teeth so god bless him <laughs> that's dedication right there man yeah it seriously is because i mean they were tied appropriately when i started but you know now this is you know, I think nine or 10 hours in when I got my wetsuit on and my feet had already swelled up a bit and took all the slack out. So right. yeah, they were, if I didn't have his help, I, I would have been screwed right then and there. So what shoes did you use for the race? I used ultra lone peak sixes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One shoe the whole way. Oh, sweet. I, I had yeah. lone peaks to change into, but I ended up staying in i mean i only did 50 miles too but i ended up using king mts for the whole thing i'm i hate that they quit making those shoes i love those shoes so much yeah i just wish they were a little bit more durable i've blown out the sides of every pair i've had of those and and so here's the thing so i went to world's toughest motor with no expectations i wanted to learn the event and like a second goal was like it'd be cool if i got 50 miles so i didn't want to nope. take and i've got like four pairs of king mts Two of them are still in decent shape, and I've got two pairs that are, like you said, have got that hole busted on the side of them. And I said, well, I'm just going to wear these out. Dude, I used one pair of those King MTs with the hole in the side of it for 40 miles, you know, and then I had, like, the other pair with a hole in it that I did when I got up the next morning and finished the last two laps. And the hole, nice. didn't, get, the hole didn't get any fucking bigger, dude. <laughs> yeah, I wore Kemp's last year. 
Um, and I bought the shoes for the race, you know, put maybe 20 to 30 miles of training runs in them and then did the race. And at the end of that race, they were destroyed. There was nothing left in them. Wow. They used Lone Peaks this year. Um, same thing, bought them for the race, you know, 20 to 30 miles training them, mm-hmm. hit the race course and they're in great condition still. Yeah. Very surprised and very happy with them. Yeah, I like my Lone Peaks, too. I, I mainly use those for just trail running, you know, and I use the King MTs for, you know, like OCR stuff, you know. They got a little yeah. bit more cushion, too, but that's a good shoe. I like it as well. Oh, yeah. So what was, like, your nutrition strategy, like, during the race? Were you carrying nu- nutrition with you every lap, or were you just, you know, running a lap and just getting it right there at the pit, you know, in between laps? Yep, I was putting calories in my body, from the jump like probably 15 minutes after that first lap i had started sipping my sustainably and which is an endurally product right. um you know a little carbohydrate electrolyte blend mm-hmm. so the plan was i was going to run with one 500 milliliter flask of sustainably and one morton gel for as long as i could every lap so every single lap i would make sure i finished my bottle of sustainably which had two servings in it so that ended up being 230 or 240 calories and then one morton gel you know that's 100 calories so now i'm up to 340 330 340 um and i did that for 13 hours until i realized i was like i wasn't sweating enough and i was starting to get too salty Mm. um you know not that there's in that two servings of sustainably i think it's 400 milligrams of sodium you know maybe closer to five so, yeah, I just started to get too salty, and I had a backup plan for if that happened. Um, I was just mixing four ounces of maple syrup with the 500 milliliters of water, and I would take that because that was, like, again, that would equal to, like, 240 calories. Take my one Morton gel, and that became the plan. And then I forget when I had actually started eating solid foods, but I had things at the pit. Um, I had my pit crew grab me a pizza. A meat lovers pizza we got from Pizza Hut. Hell yeah! And I had like a bunch of miniature Snickers and some cut up peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So um, you know, well after thirteen hours, and I would go by and I started to like I would pick a slice of pizza with me and eat it for the first hundred yards or so of of the the lap, and then I started shoving some random Snickers in my mouth. Like as we got <laughs> closer to the end, um, at one point I came through. And, you know, I, thought I was started to eat like two of those mini Snickers every lap. I would throw, I would just like be filling my bottles. Javier would, or my girlfriend would stick one in my mouth. I would just start chewing right then and there. And somebody would have like a Red Bull. I take a swig of the Red Bull, um, wash everything down and carry on. And then at one point somebody's like, I got a McDonald's sandwich. You want some McDonald's? And <laughs> I just had, I took a bite of like someone's Egg McMuffin or something. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. But there's a picture of me going out for lap 21. And I just got two miniature Snickers in my hands. <laughs> yeah, getting ready to take off. So it was like a very simple plan. Um, if it in a perfect world, I just run off of the Sustain Elite and the Morton all day, right? But I wasn't sweating enough, so I just switched to maple syrup. And then when I was ready for more, um, and my, my body started craving it. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's time for solid foods, which I gravitated towards the pizza. Gotcha. Yeah. So like during the race, you know, in the night hours, was there any like was there any like mental like low points or were you just laser focused the whole time, man? Uh, let's call it both. Um, yeah. So I started to hurt pretty bad, like nine hours into this race. Wow. My quads were starting to lock up a little bit. 
um, and it was getting uncomfortable. So I started, you know, a little bit of self-talk, like thought more than anything, like "Mm, maybe I did go out too fast and I've got a long 15 hours ahead of me. Um, But that never got any worse at the same, but at the same time is that it never got any better. So my legs were uncomfortable for 15 hours of this race this year. And then, yeah, it it was, it was different. It was interesting. Like last year, um, I was having fun the whole time this year. I had fun most of the time. And at moments I like thoughts would creep through my head and it would, you know, I'd be like, Oh, like I would think like, fuck, I'm tired. And then I uh, like, I, I take that and I click and in my brain, I go, Nope, uh-uh, Nope, Nope, Nope. And I just, I'll start saying that out loud. Right. Like I'm like, your word is very powerful. Um, so be careful what you say. Cause you're always listening. Um, and I just keep, keep good things going through my head. I'll like, I'll have the negative thoughts like everybody else, but I just try to do my best to immediately push them out. Um, so things got like low, but it's all at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm here for a purpose. You know, this, <laughs> I left my, I left my family. Um, I got receipts, man. I got shit to do. This is business right. time. I'm not letting myself down or anybody else down in this moment. So keep your legs moving, bud. That's right. You trained all year for that point, right? You know? All year. Yeah. Today's the day it's going to suck. That's fine. All right. I'll be fine tomorrow. Let's go. So, like, as the obstacles started, like, opening up through the night, was there any point where your strategy changed where, you know, the penalty's easier here than doing the obstacle or I'm going to use my band on this one because it saves time? How did your strategy evolve through the duration of the race? Yeah, so the plan was to run and just do all the obstacles until I found the need to use a band. And then in a perfect world, that... Um, as opposed to having a need, I could have strategically started to use bands on time-consuming obstacles, right? Like uh, right. Mutterhorn or the Satan's Mustache, things that took multiple right. minutes, you know? Um, but I ended up having to use it on Chunky Monkey because that was – I tried it once, and I fell off. And I was like, all right, well, that's that's a no-go for me today. And then I had to do that penalty once. That and that was the bouncy ball penalty where you sit on the damn ball with the handle, and you hop around that that track and apparently they shortened it later in the race um which is an interesting topic (laughs) yeah i feel like um for a race like this right like a a world championship race the penalty should just be the penalty you shouldn't shorten it and make things easier as the day goes on i agree that that can be a a topic for another day um yeah so i went through the that bouncy ball penalty and i was like that's getting my band every time i can't do the obstacle i'm not fucking sitting on that thing that that was difficult right it's like quads are engaged it's it's a challenging penalty as well so yeah that's where my band started to go starting at mile 60 i believe um and then I started to realize I was getting some upper body cramps, like my biceps were cramping a little bit mm. and my chest was cramping a little bit from, from overhead stuff. So the teabagged obstacle, the oh, slack line that you had to do the sloth traverse on the, the I hated lower that side of it, that started to blow up my upper body quite a bit and was giving my hamstrings a little bit of trouble towards the end. So I went, okay, um, that's probably going to start to get my second band. So I ran and just used one band on Chunky Monkey. I think it was miles like 55 or 60 to 75. Um, so I had six or five or six on my wrist that whole time, right? Like I would have five, yeah. I would use one, go down to four, come back through and have five again. Right. Um, but, so then I started to use two and it would be Chunky Monkey and Teabagged just because it was actually giving me issues. Again, like that's one that doesn't take long. It's probably only a 
30 second obstacle. So it's not the most time efficient one to use it on, but strategically that's where I had to go. Um, and eventually towards the end, I was back down to just one band. Um, and I think I had to do that, that teabagged obstacle my last two or three laps, which proved challenging, but <laughs> achievable. So right. I think I played, I played my cards right. I think that that obstacle would be easier if it wasn't a ratchet strap, if it was a rope, kind of like Spartan's Tyro is, you know? That, okay. That ratchet strap just makes it way more difficult to hold with your hands. I, I have smaller hands, too, and, like, it just, the way you have to hold that strap and it just digs into your hands, man, like, I, after the first lap, you know, once I started, once I put on the bleg mitts, which was probably like a lap after that thing opened up, I was keeping my bleg mitts on to, you know, pulled up to using that on that strap. And it made it easier just because it just didn't kill your hands so bad. Okay. Yeah, I did it barehanded the whole time and it dug gashes through the sides of my pinkies. Right. Eventually at the end of the race. Yeah, like that was my worst abrasive wounds are behind my knees where the wetsuit was. Yeah. And inside edge of my pinky, um, where there was landing on the strap, it was pretty, it was pretty damaging. (laughs) Out of all the obstacles out there, I think that was probably my least favorite one to come to. Okay. To me, what was your least favorite one to go to? I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe the Satan's mustache. Yeah, it sucked by yourself. Yeah, it sucked, and I got eaten up by ants once. Oh Um, no! Oh, I bet that's yeah. Oh man, yeah, the little fire ants. Uh, I had a bunch of because I was running in a pair of shorts early in the race, so below my knee, my whole shin was just covered in little ant bites. Um, and then yeah, the ankle on one leg. So I'm like, ah, I don't know what the hell's under here anymore. <laughs> like that's not fun. But I mean, it was brutal doing it by yourself. Like it was actually oh, yeah. pinned pretty tight this year, and I would be going through it, and like the, the net would just be catching on my wetsuit and the hood. And I felt like I was in a chokehold, man. And I'm like, oh, just get through this damn thing. And like slowly, <laughs> slowly losing consciousness because I'm choking myself out with my collars. Oh, yeah, I know. It, it was weird because like when you would go forward, especially when you got out from under that tarp, it's like mm-hmm. something would pull back and it would like start choking you. And you're like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. And I like I couldn't I couldn't mitigate that very much. So I just bared down and and dealt with that one. So that was probably my least favorite in all reality. Yeah. I mean, it was still an achievable obstacle, but right. time consuming and frustrating at times. Yeah. I remember the, I went under there at like one thirty, you know, and it, at night and somebody, and I was by myself and I was underneath the tarp and it was warm in there and it was really hard to fucking move. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to lay here until somebody else comes. So this will get easier. <laughs> and it wasn't a few yeah. minutes, but I was like, it, it just, I was like, this is, pointless i'm i mean it's just i'm moving an inch you know and using so much energy <laughs> so much that's funny like crawling through dirty holes it was warm in those tunnels also oh, yeah it was and i was just like you know i didn't take my time through it but I'd like you know i would just close my eyes and like run my shoulder against one of the sides of the wall and be like, that, that's how i would navigate back like, this is your time to chill for a second it's warm yeah. and you know rest my eyes for 15 seconds while i crawl through this and then get back out and get going Right. Funny little, funny little things like that. What what obstacle are you looking forward to every lap? Mm, um, I mean, when the slide was open, that was pretty great because it was you have to climb down, launch out, get a little adrenaline hit. Right. That one was pretty awesome. I think I like yeah. double rainbow the most. 
That was fun. Double Rainbow was cool. It was fun and it was doable. Um, I really, I, I was looking forward to Double Rainbow as it came around. Except toward the end when I was like, uh-oh, these are the most important laps of your life. Right. Don't mess these up. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was, but to me that was that was fun. I enjoyed both of the rigs. You know, the cargo net yeah. one was. I tried it one time and made it all the way to the end, and I was like, man, that just took way too much energy, and it was way you know abrasive to the hands. You know, and I was like. And once you got to the next rig, you were about pumped out. And I was like, I'd rather just keep doing this other rig because it's easier. And that penalty yeah. was easier, you know, filling up that little shot cup with dirt. That was way easier than putting those two by fours on your feet to me. Yep. So I had the same strategy there where eventually I just started jumping into the water, crawling out and doing the popsicle sick sand. Yeah, uh, that, was, that, was, that was super easy. Yeah, especially like as it got more water over there things started to clump up so i was eventually able to do it in one swoop here i didn't have to make two trips back with the popsicle stick right like when they said when they talked about that obstacle i was expecting the table to be like way farther away than that you know so yeah when you saw how close it was you're like oh that won't be that bad and then it was a big popsicle stick like if that would have been one of those little skinny popsicle sticks it would have probably really sucked yeah if the wind was blowing blowing (laughs) i was like I was yeah. like, that's going to, that's going to suck. Hopefully we can do this obstacle. And then, yeah, again, once I saw it, I was like, okay. That's yeah. Probably or if it would have been like, you know, beach sand, that would have sucked too. <laughs> yeah. Something loose. <laughs> For sure. We got well, lucky that one. Yeah, we did. So man, how does it, how did it feel going across that finish line, man? Knowing that you had won pretty much your last lap was a victory lap because you knew you had it in the bag, right? Um, kind of, I didn't know I had it in the bag until I like got to the water crossing. Right. So I had no idea where anybody was behind me. Um, I came in on lap 19 with Mark, Yeah. um, 10 seconds behind him. And I got out of the pit, you know, five or six minutes before him. Um, and I wasn't sure, but like, I so was, I was just like, you know, I'm going to do some damage right now. Like I'm not racing neck and neck with you. I'm getting out in front of you. Hit my pit was like two minutes there. Um, got up to the top of Mutterhorn, looked back. I was like, okay, cool. He's not out of the pit yet. Let's go. Bomb down the mm-hmm. slide. Got over Everest, looked back, and I could see him coming up. So he either had bypassed um, bypassed uh, Mutterhorn or had, had completed it at that point. But I'm like, okay, I got just a few-minute lead on you. And I ran hard, right? I'm just like, I'm just trying to get away. I want you to see I look strong and go, oh, there's no point in chasing that guy, right? So, mm-hmm. um, And in that lap... I had put about 20 minutes on him. Um, and again, I didn't know this. I'm assuming the dude's right behind me. I come in for that last lap. Javier posted that pretty, a pretty sweet video the other day. He's like, Hey, you just got, yeah, you got to maintain this, right? Can you do it? And I'm like, yep. He's like, and then what? And I'm like, and then we're world champ, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, give dude, give me the hell out of here. Let's go one more lap. It's all it's going to take. And in that same lap I had passed, um, I passed Tyler as well. So I'm like, Oh shit, I'm in first now. Like, I didn't even, I didn't, you know, I was just running away from Mark. I didn't expect to catch um, Beerman at that point. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I went out for lap 21 um, and was running like the dude was right behind me. I had no idea where he actually was, but, you know, I'm like, nail in the coffin, dude. Let's go. I'm, I'm trying to put this thing away. Um, if you're going to take it from me, you're going you're gonna to work your balls off right now. That's for sure. That's the only thing I can offer right. is a challenge. Um, and then so I knew I had it in the bag because the course – um, bypassed itself right at that water crossing yeah so um at the one point it was like just before mile two yeah right before that water uh, station right before the water station yeah um so 
going out, it's almost two miles out. And then coming back, it's like just over three and a half miles back or three and a half miles out from the start line. Um, so I had passed there and I saw him coming down through the woods and about to get to the crossing. And I was like, hell yeah. So what was Let's that? Go. What was it? What was the exchange when y'all passed each other? Was it just a look, a nod, a wave? Um, we weren't quite like, so he was like, a, I saw the yellow bib probably 30 yards off. Right. right. So, um, I don't even know if he had noticed me. I, again, I saw him uh. and I was like, that's, let's keep going. Look, keep looking strong. Let's go. Um, and then when he was gone, I like turned to the first person I saw and I was like, come on. (laughs) It was was that moment. I'm like, you know, I I got at least a mile and a half lead. I'm just over a mile out. And then I just like, all right, calm yourself down. Don't break an ankle mistakes. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Anything. I'm like, and then keep going. Cause I don't know. Like what if that dude all of a sudden gets really invigorated and starts dropping seven minute pace again. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I ran it in. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I ended up beating him by, by just just about forty minutes in total. So, mm. so yeah, how did it feel going neck across neck finish line? Miles in. Oh, dude, it felt so good. It was crazy. I cried. You know, it was, <laughs> it, was it was something I've been working on forever. Um, and to actually bring it all together was the, was an, an indescribable feeling in all reality, right? Like I'm, dude, you did it. I mean, all your hard work paid off. Like all the sacrifice. You left home. You you quit that job. You, you went full time into this and you bet on yourself and, and you won at the end of the day. Uh, it was, it was an indescribable feeling. Um, yeah, it was amazing. So what was the first was thing, like, <laughs> what was the first thing you did to celebrate once you left the race? Oh man. Uh, I had a, a nice steak. I, I ate a solid ribeye from the comfort of my bed. I had never <laughs> absorbed that much damage from anything in my life. Um, I looked good coming through the finish line and I, as soon as I turned it off, everything went, uh, legs locked up, energy started to like totally crash and burn. I waddled over to a chair and sat down, got out of my wet stuff. And then I couldn't do anything on my own. I couldn't stand up on my own. Um, yeah, nothing. I was like, yo, I gotta, I gotta use the bathroom. Y'all drag me over to the porta potty real quick. Um, and sit me down and then drag me out of it, you know? And then, I was a, I was a mess. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up. Um, I had my friends put me in the car. I passed out in the car. Um, just kind <laughs> of, you know, just, just daydreamed a little bit. And then I couldn't get out of the car. Had people drag me inside, stick me in the shower and lean. I just leaned up against the wall. <laughs> well, well, I tried to, tried to clean myself off the best I could. Um, yeah. And then I finally got myself into bed and, um, bought some steaks and then, I had my buddy Josh cook up some steaks and yeah, enjoyed, enjoyed a ribeye. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So going forward into next year, what's your plans for 2023, man? The only event on the calendar is world stuff is man. I'm going to do it very similar to how I did it this year. Um, uh, it's, it's a scary, but an exciting thing to put all your chips in, in, to one thing, you know, put all your eggs in one basket, but that's the goal again. That's the A race. That's what I want to perform at. I will slowly fill the calendar with things that I believe are pushing me to my best performance at World Toughest next year. Is there anything you're going to change in your training or is it just going to be the same thing because you know this worked? Yeah, so I um, followed almost the exact blueprint I did in 2022 for coming out of 2021. Um, just increased volume. So I think I'll be able to add more volume 
2023, and that's going to make me make me even even more dangerous at this event. Just having more time on feet, so I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. Try to add more work capacity. Yeah, um, tackle strengths early, and then get back or sorry, tackle weaknesses early in the season, and then as we get closer to the event, really start just honing in the strengths. Yeah, and come back hard to beat, man. Did you? piss in your bleg mitts like anthony did to warm your hands up <laughs> i didn't but i will <laughs> say that i tried <laughs> i like i did i can't feel my fingers still and i was like i need warmth and you know, i just couldn't piss through my wetsuit and somehow landed in my bleg mitts so i was out of luck <laughs> whose idea was this <laughs> That's Anthony. I mean, dude, it's warm. It's warm water going into anything. I had one lap where my girlfriend poured hot water down my wetsuit. And she Ooh. just, she's like, it was barely warm. But I was like, dude, it was, it was like pins and needles all over me, right? And I'm like, oh, this man. is amazing. And she poured some on my hands. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize how cold I was. Um, yeah. So, I mean, hey, if you got some warm water on course, use it. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Hey, man, I know we're getting close to an hour, but I everybody that comes on the show, I always ask them the same three questions, man. And you've probably already answered this first one. So to this day, what has been your most favorite race and why? World's toughest 2022, baby. We pulled it all together and we came out champion. So Hell yeah. I know that's going to be a hard one to beat. All right. So give me the reverse of that question. What's the race that you hated the most, disliked the most, and why? That's a hard one to answer. I don't know if I've got any, if I've got a good one for you. Um, you know, I've had challenging races. I would say let's, let's call it or boring my race. 2000, <laughs> 2019 Spartans Greek peak sprint. Um, cause, uh, at that moment I realized I didn't do enough and it hurt my heart. And I, <laughs> you know, it's like, you feel like you're putting a hundred percent into something mm-hmm. and then you realize you're not, and then you, you take the next step. So that was, that had, had made me a little bit more serious. But I like fell off an obstacle, um, and I was pissed at myself for right. you know leaving things on the table before a race and then um, during a race as well. So uh, that's a hard one to answer, but that's probably my worst one, which was a driving factor in getting better. So not yeah. that bad. There you go. See, it was a great answer. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so this last question is, man, you got to give us the secrets. What is your race ritual like? What do you do on Friday? What do you do on Saturday before the race? What supplements are you using? What are you doing to win World's Toughest Mudder, man? Like, what's the secrets? What's your race weekend routine? Okay. So the secret's not in the supplements, but um, I am taking... So my last block leading into it, I was taking citrulline. I would take some taurine, um, making sure I'm drinking plenty of water with electrolytes so i'm not drinking too much water um i was drinking beetle every day leading into it i started to trickle in some of the neo 40 they have so like that's yeah. just a ton of vasodilators and nitric oxide boosters right right so i'm getting the the cardiovascular system ready to pump and ready to work at its highest efficiency um i also started to eat like some more carbs you know like just topping off my systems without getting too crazy. Um, and then I personally, I stay as relaxed as possible. Um, like Saturday leading into it, I'm just, I'm doing my best not to get too much energy going, just right. stay chill, like 
sit with my eyes closed very often, do a lot of mobility work. I don't know if you're familiar with Cruise Elite, but um, I practice, I've gotten some of my, my mobility practices from them, which is just super simple things. They seem super simple, but as you, you compound them over time, they're very, very powerful. So keeping joints, joints mobile and intelligent leading into the race while volume's coming down. And then, you know, a lot of positive self-talk to say, you know, like you, you put the work in, um, you know, you're not running a lot right now. Volume's come down, but you're tapering. Like, let's trust this process and let's, let's go out and do the best we can. That Saturday leading in again, just staying relaxed. Um, you'll see a video of me on the start line and I'm, you know, sitting there, hands around my knees, sitting on my butt, eyes closed gone before the storm so <laughs> there's my secrets what was your what was your last real meal before the race and when did you eat it um so that morning uh at so it was four hours before so 8 a.m i had rice probably like half a cup of white rice with two eggs and a miscellaneous amount of maple syrup <laughs> all the maple all syrup yeah all mixed into a bowl and then for dinner the night before i had steak and sweet potatoes and some asparagus oh, nice. for me. so you make yeah. the make the wetsuit smell really good on the next day. yeah buddy <laughs> for sure well hey dj man i appreciate you taking the time to do this man you want to tell people like who your sponsors are or where they can find you on like instagram or facebook or whatever yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Handle is at D-E-E underscore J-A-Y underscore F-O-X D-J Fox. Um, currently being supported by Endurely. Um, again, I explained my fueling with them early in the race. That was the plan. I used them in 2021, World's Toughest Mudder as well. Um, awesome product line absolutely killer ingredients you know no compromises there i have loved the people from the start but we just started working together recently before world's toughest super happy with that relationship um yeah man that, that's all i got right now so find me on on ig um i also again i i coach endurance athletes so if you're looking to find somebody to to help you up your game for the 2023 season i'm here for that as well you can just send me a, a uh a direct message via via Instagram. That's where you'll find me the most. I got all my training up there, as well as some fun, quirky stuff that happens outside as well. So, so what's so as far as like your coaching goes, is it like kind of like uh, individual plans, or do you have like group plans, or how does that work? It's just different individualized individualized programming. Um, so you know, we have a, a council call. You tell me your goals. We see if we're a good fit together, and then I will write you a week by week plan. And obviously, like as you get to know somebody more, right, I can start to, to program a little bit further out. But just purely individualized programs, customized. All right, sounds good, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you talking to us. Yeah, dude, I uh, appreciate the time. It was fun. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank DJ again for taking time to talk to us. If you're looking for an ultra coach, I mean, dude just won world's toughest mutter, so he's got to know a thing or two about it. If you're looking for a good endurance coach for running long races or 24-hour races, so go and check him out. Also, check out Rachel Waters' uh, fundraiser event this weekend and go and donate for Lionheart's Fitness. Um I want to thank everybody that come up to me at the Carolina Ultra or during the Carolina Ultra that talked to me during the race. Um, I love hearing from 
everybody out there, especially people that, you know, listen to the podcast, you know, it always, you know, brings a smile to my face and makes me want to keep doing this. Um, it was a good race this year. I want to say the race course was just about laid out exactly the same as last year. Uh, the weather was exactly the same. Uh, they said they were taking the dunk wall out because it was too cold. And I was thinking, well, they didn't really take it out last year and it was this cold, but I'm not going to say I missed it, but I, I wasn't happy about running through that ankle deep water at the beginning of the race when it was 27 degrees out there. If you ran the ultra or shoot, if you ran all day, that water was cold all day. It didn't matter. But anyway, I came into the race with kind of like a, a nagging pain and, I got it at World's Toughest Mudder the week before, so I didn't do any running the week of. I was just hoping this would kind of heal, and I was thinking, I hope this isn't like a problem with my knee, because it's like behind my knee, but on the inside and above the crease, and I'm thinking like, you know, I hope this isn't what like a torn meniscus feels like, you know, but, and then I got to looking on there, and I was like, it can't be what it is, and so I'm thinking it's like, Maybe like where my hamstring, is, like lower hamstring, like right behind, you know, right behind the knee, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so I started the race and I even put a knee sleeve on that knee to kind of like distract me from it feeling weird. So I didn't know what to expect, you know, and Michael and my buddy Jimmy, they were running open because Jimmy was doing his first ultra and Michael was pacing him for it because Michael's ankle was kind of messed up from world's toughest mutter as well. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go out here and see how it does. If it starts acting up at mile one, I'll just give it a soft J, you know, and wait for Michael and Jimmy to catch up and finish with them. So, you know, I was feeling good, you know, probably up until like mile 15, and then it started getting like really heavy and like every time I'd bend my knee or kind of, you know, throw your, your foot back when you're running, it's like, it just felt so heavy and so strained. It was like, man, I just want to walk so bad. But, you know, I kind of just kept grinding through the pain. It almost kind of felt like if I stopped and walk and then started again, it got worse. So I kind of just tried to slow jog as much as possible, you know. But I could definitely tell that I was, you know, my legs were just beat up from world's toughest motor. You know, most of the time I, I come to a downhill, I would just open up my stride and I wasn't doing that. I had like one pace and it was just ultra pace, you know. But, uh, you know, I failed Olympus on the first try. I got like three quarters of the way through it and it was so slippery because it was like covered in ice. And, uh. Uh, I missed a grab hold and hit the ground, so you run the loop, and the loop was exactly the same as it was last year because I remember failing it on the first try last year. And then when I went through it the second time, my leg was bothering me so bad. I was like, I just don't even want to get in that crouch position on a, to even try Olympus. So I just kind of, you know, just tapped it and went straight to the loop, and that was pretty much the only obstacle I failed. And... You know, I closed good both times, made the spear both times, and I was, you know, pushing pushing through the pain, and I was really happy, you know, finishing up that race and managed to get third in my age group because, man, I, it just felt good because, I, man, I just felt like 
I earned that one, you know. It wasn't it wasn't an easy, you know, age group podium for me. So I felt really good about that race. I was gonna be you know, I was gonna be really disappointed if I wasn't because I'd pushed so hard on the second half of that race to just make my body do what it didn't want to do, you know, and that's kind of, you know, I'm sure everybody was like that, you know, that's doing their first ultra and they're on their second loop and they're hurting so bad and they want to quit, you know, and then they just push and suffer through, you know, and sometimes you just got to tell yourself, well, I'll just do one more mile, you know, just do one more mile, you know, 30 more minutes, you know, you know, it's, you just kind of got to get your head out of it and, you know, and and one way I do that, and y'all have heard me say it a million times, when you're on that second lap and you see everybody out there, you just walk by every single one and say, good job. You know, you're doing great. You're crushing it. Good job. You know, I, you know, and you just talk to everybody and, and everybody doesn't always talk back, but you know, they, everybody's got their own demons on course. They're all going through what may be their hardest race, you know, so I try to talk to everybody in passing, you know, unless, you know, they got earpods in or they're talking to somebody else. You know, I try to usually talk to everybody. And uh, it was great seeing Beverly out there, more hearts and scars. You know, I remember seeing Joey right before I went up um, stairway to Sparta. And I was like, man, I just need a hug. So I just went straight up to him and just hugged him right before I went up there. And, you know, just anything to distract you from just, you know, what you're going to going through on on a race like that helps you know and just like you know it's just sometimes it's just all a mental game if you sit there in that grind and just think man this hurts man this hurts man this hurts you can't you're just going to drive yourself crazy so you have to get out of that you know you start thinking of a, the last song you heard on the radio you know and just singing it in your head you know or your favorite song you know and strike up conversations with people, you know, look and look at the scenery, you know, and soak it up and think about stuff, you know, just to take your mind out of it. And it just, it'll help you get through some of the painful times in a race. And it really, and I was really having to do that at this race a lot, you know, and I was thinking about how my friends races were going, you know, and it sometimes it's, it's, it's not like you have to mentally keep yourself in the grind. Sometimes you just got to mentally, you know, detach yourself from the grind, you know, and that's kind of what I had to do. And let me tell you about something else I did. And I made a post about this as well. You know, I finished the race and I pretty much went straight to go get my medal. And, uh, I saw Cole over there at Lionheart's Fitness and I got him to check my results because he's always got his phone and the results pulled up. And then I went over there and got my medal, went back to the victory wall and like took a picture with, with, cause I wanted a picture with my buckle, you know? And then I went up to Michael's car and just changed clothes there cause I had my dry robe. And that's the cool thing about a dry robe. You can zip up that dry robe, pull your arms in and you can change clothes inside it. Kind of like a shower toga, you know? And man, I just started cramping all over, you know? I had some compression pants on that were super tight and I would I did that thing where you didn't pull it over your ankle first and you had them inside out and you tried to pull them off inside out and then it's like stuck trying to pull it off your foot and I was cramping so bad my calves were cramping my feet were cramping my ab cramped I've never cra cramped an ab in my life you know and so it cr it cramped and I'm sitting in the 
in the back of Michael's truck and I'm just out there just going, Ugh! you know, and there was one guy walking in the parking lot and he's looking at me and I'm over there with my pants inside out, you know, sitting in my compression briefs and got them both still on my feet. And he's probably like, man, that guy's in a bad shape. So anyway, finally got changed and I walked back down there and I watched the Beast Awards, you know, and I was talking to Shell, Shell Laqueta with uh, Lionheart's Fitness and I'm, I've been having this reoccurring neck problem kind of going on and heavy carries when I throw it on my shoulder it kind of flares it up too and I saw they had that massage therapist over there that Lexus tent what did they call that thing there was something what it, it was like a recovery tent but they had some weird name for it you know because they had the ice baths and everything but they had that massage therapist over there and I wanted to get her to massage my neck and I was kind of limping around and and, and me and Shell got to talking and we, we walked over there and I, I got that massage and she was talking to those people with uh, Rejuvator, I think that was what they were called, yeah, Rejuvator Medical Spa that were there and while I was getting my uh, that massage, which that massage felt so good, she really just loosened up my neck really good and I told her where I was having pain at and it felt so much better after that and, and Shell had you know, was talking to those people with the uh, Rejuvator with their IV therapy, you know, it's like IV fluids, but they've got like a blend of like different vitamins and minerals in it and stuff. And, you know, the way I was feeling and cramped up and everything, I was like, sure, I'll give it a try. So I'm sitting there and the people that were doing it were just super nice. And I forget what their names was. One was one of their names was Adrian. And I think the other one's name, I want to say Matilda or Mildred or something like that. I can't remember. I'm probably butchering it. But anyway, they were super polite. You know, I want to say they were they were nurses too. And uh, it took about 45 minutes, but like all my cramping went away. Like I didn't cramp anymore after that. So, I mean, it was, it, it was a cool experience. And so anytime you're like finishing an ultra and you feel shitty like that, you need to check them out. And they, they already said, you know, because they're local to... They were local to that venue, but they said they were going to do all the Carolina races. And, you know, in Fayetteville, I got dehydrated and finished in Fayetteville too. So that might be something. And they said they're going to be at Fayetteville. They'll be at Newberry. They'll be at Tryon again for Asheville. And I think they're going to be at Charlotte too. All the North Carolina and South Carolina races I believe are going to. So if you're having a real bad time and you're cramping real bad, you might want to go go over there and just talk to them and just say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Will this help? And uh, they'll be more than happy to talk to you. Uh, I know there was one guy, he come and sat down beside me, and he was like cramping up in the chair as soon as he sat down. And he was getting, he was getting the same thing. He was getting it for cramps, you know. And I never thought about getting it because I was cramping. I just thought, well, you only do that when you're dehydrated. But, man, it, it helped with the cramps. I didn't cramp anymore the rest of the day. But anyway, I hope everybody else's races went great out there. I hope everybody got their, you know, got their buckles at that race. That's a great first venue for an ultra. And there was a lot of first timers out there. You know, I love seeing all the people in Southern Spartan saying, yeah, I did my first ultra in the Facebook group that is. And uh, there was a bunch of friends here in Tifton that went there. Um, my buddy Patrick, Andy and gene they went there and they took somebody to their first spartan race ever and 
they he did the ultra there because he's been running with them too and i think he loved it i saw him today in the parking lot at work and he said he was gonna he's thinking about signing up for fayetteville you know and i just thought man that's really cool you know because i remember when i did my first ultra it was in my second year spartan racing and typical me i said after my first one i was like no i'm never doing that again and here i am i think this was my 13th ultra i've done I don't know what it is about the ultra, but it's just the most attractive race. It, it, it sucks the most, but when you're out there grinding and you're seeing everybody, you're doing an obstacle race that takes all day, and you have to think about, well, I have to take these gels here, and what am I going to put in my drop bin? Just all that extra stuff that you put into the ultra distance is just what excites me, you know. And it's always, you know, everybody knows, well, I, I finish a sprint, you know, and I finish a super, I finish this beast. And, you know, going to Killington every year, it scares the shit out of me because I'm like, this might be the year that I don't finish because that's that ultra that most people have trouble with. And me and DJ were talking about that same race. And I'm like, man, this guy's done. You know, he did Killington too, you know, and it was hard for him. And here he is now. He's running 100 miles at World's Toughest Mudder. So... I mean, it just shows how much you grow in the sport. I remember when I did my first sprint. And back then, in 2015, a sprint wasn't three miles. A sprint, I think my first sprint was either four and a half or five miles at Conyers. And it was freezing cold, about like it was this past weekend. But I, it was a kind of like a one-and-done race for me, and I fell in love with it. You know, I felt like a kid on the playground again after that race. And I, my friends were like, well, we're going to sign up and do the super and the beast. And I'm like, man, there's no way I can do a beast, man. I, there's no way, you know, cause I was having bad problems with IT band syndrome. Then, you know, I was just happy I could run five K's and my IT bands not bother me. And, you know, I was like, there's no way I can do a beast, you know? And so, and I remember when me and Michael did our first back to back beast weekends in Carolina it was at Winsboro. We did a beast on Saturday and a beast on Sunday. And I think that was that was 2015, I think. Yeah? Yes. And then we talked about, was it? No, that was 2016. I can't remember. I can't remember. No, maybe it was just doing a 15. And then we were like, I don't think we could do an ultra. And I was like, man, there's no way I can do an ultra. And then we all, and then they all, we all talked each other into it. And we all did it. In 2016, we did the New Jersey Ultra. And it was one of the hardest races I ever did. And I want to, before the first lap was over, my IT bands were like killing me. I remember walking backwards down the hills because my IT bands were killing me, you know? And like, I couldn't walk after that race. It was so hard, you know? And I just know, like, when people do their first ultra, it's usually their hardest one. And that was, that was probably one of my hardest races was the first one I did. And I just think that's, what's cool about this sport is when you tell people about it and they say, Oh, I can't do that. I got to get in shape. No, you need to go do the race and then figure out what you want to do next. You do that one race if you walk the whole race, it doesn't matter. When you finish that race, I mean, it's like you know at the finish line. You'll know, well, I want to do another one, and I want to be better. Or you'll be like, I enjoyed this race. 
I want to do one that's longer. I mean, and that's what makes that's what makes the sport so addictive, you know. But anyway, I have ranted way too long. It's been 16 minutes of me running my mouth. But anyway, uh, I should be doing another interview next week as well. But uh, I will see y'all at Central Florida for the Trifecta Weekend. Hopefully the weather will be warmer than Tryon. It's got to be, right, Florida? Uh, but anyway, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And go and check out Rachel's fundraiser event this weekend and donate some money it's a great cause it's for the kids do it for the kids all right talk to you later peace